everybody, and welcome to the David Glenn Show. Hope your afternoon is off to a fantastic start. We have some fun in store for you today, as many across our statewide audience are celebrating the approach of Snowmageddon. I know our listeners in Boone and other mountainous areas consider this sort of stuff old news. DG, snow, what's the big deal, man? Many other parts of North Carolina, it's a really big deal. Schools are letting out early. Our parking lot here outside our studio has people leaving early. The front desk people are leaving early. We'll be here for three hours regardless of the weather, and we have a lot of fun things to discuss, including a big win for the Wolfpack last night at PNC. Duke is now 2-6 and six at PNC Arena over the last decade, if you count their shocking round of 64 loss to Mercer in the NCAA tournament. It has been a house of horrors for the Blue Devils. Mike Krzyzewski said, my guys just weren't there. Sometimes when you've eaten a lot, Coach K said, you're not as hungry. Well, the Wolfpack was plenty hungry, and Kevin Keith's squad got its much-needed resume builder. There are more opportunities for such things, including Saturday, when number eight Florida State follows number six Duke into PNC Arena. Back-to-back -to -back top 10 wins would put the Wolfpack exactly where they want to be. But even last night's win was a huge step in the right direction, and history was made in the process. Did you know? The Wolfpack's 22-point margin of victory was its largest over Duke since 1978. Pack was playing its home games in Reynolds Coliseum back then. The largest margin of defeat for any Duke team coached by Mike Krzyzewski to an unranked opponent ever. It's 40 years now. Coach K has been leading the Blue Devils. The largest margin of defeat for a Duke team led by Coach K to an unranked opponent was last night. Wolfpack 88, Duke 66. You have questions, you have comments. We'll talk about it from the Duke perspective and the state perspective, of course. The fans were great before the game. The fans were great during the game. The fans stormed the court after the game, and understandably so. Former Wolfpack star Scott Wood was actually a part of the festivities. He celebrated in style as a sharpshooting three-point specialist. He celebrated in style this time while dressed as just another fan jumping up and down near midcourt at PNC Arena. We will talk college hoops today in a lot of different ways, but led by NC State over Duke. How about the head coach of the NC State Wolfpack? He took the pack to the big dance in his first year after leaving UNC Wilmington, where he took the Seahawks to the big dance as well. He is attempting to take the pack there in year three as well after missing barely in year two. Kevin Keats will join us live in about 60 minutes. Jonathan Jones is going to drop by today as well on some NFL. Did you know that the league is expected to expand its regular season and its playoffs in its new collective bargaining agreement? It could be announced soon, maybe in the next week or so, but get used to at least the possibility of 14 playoff teams instead of just 12. Get used to the possibility of 17 regular season games instead of the current 16. What will the players get? Well, among other things, more money 
and a shorter preseason. And they're also going to tweak what I think was one of the weird anomalies of the existing collective bargaining agreement. More on that through the course of today's show. We have questions of the day that allow for your participation. We have a fun headline from the college football world as it applies to ECU right here in our backyard. Y'all might remember Matthew McConaughey as the star of the We Are Marshall movie, which was honoring and commemorating one of the real tragedies in the history of college sports. It was 50 years ago, 5-0, 50 years ago, that a chartered jet carrying the Marshall football team went down, killing all the passengers, etc. That 50-year anniversary is this year, of course, and ECU is playing Marshall on the football field. While they were opponents prior to that tragedy, Marshall had played at ECU, and they were on their way back to the Marshall campus in West Virginia after playing the Pirates here in Greenville, North Carolina, of course. And ECU and Marshall are playing each other, no longer conference rivals, but they're on each other's football schedule this coming fall. Well, they asked the NCAA for a special exemption to play the Marshall ECU football game, the 50-year anniversary game, if you will, earlier than basically everybody else, like a week zero game, as we sometimes call these things. While the NCAA is not exactly known for its flexibility, many such requests for waivers in all different contexts are routinely turned down. ECU was able to announce earlier this morning that they got the waiver from the NCAA. What was scheduled to be an early September game against Marshall will now be a week ahead of everybody else, essentially, in late August. So the Pirates get to start preseason practice practice earlier than everybody else plus Marshall by a week they get to start their season a week earlier than just about everybody else and they get to honor the victims and their families from that tragedy of 50 years ago more on that story through the course of today's program the NBA resumes regular season action tonight the Hornets are out in Chicago the TNT folks have a doubleheader. Philly hosting one game the Houston Rockets visiting the Warriors in the other We'll get into that. And we have a couple of questions of the day that allow for your statewide participation as we wish everybody a happy snow day. As we look forward to Kevin Keats of the Wolfpack second hour, Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports will drop by to discuss all sorts of NFL details, including the probable expansion of the regular season and the playoffs. We also will have a special guest in hour number three, ECU Athletic Director John Gilbert, who was one of the forces that allowed this exciting headline to happen. He is relatively new to ECU as the athletic director. He will drop by midway through hour number three to discuss the exciting news. ECU gets a national spotlight as Mike Houston will, of course, be beginning his second season as the leader of the Pirates. He is an unbelievably accomplished coach at all of his other stops. As expected, his first year with the Pirates was a more difficult one, but ECU is expected to be better in year two. That non-conference matchup against Marshall will get the national TV spotlight and actually a lot of other coverage even beyond that. So kudos to the folks at ECU for making this magic happen. John Gilbert, ECU AD, will drop by midway through hour number three. You can participate, among other things, by chiming in. If you were there at PNC Arena, tell us what you felt. Tell us what you saw. Tell us about the basketball part of it. Tell us about the celebration aspect. It was 88-66. NC State gets the much-needed resume builder. The Blue Devils have to revisit some questions, including where was the supporting cast for Trey Jones and Vernon Carey? You can't have 
the supporting cast disappear. That's the kind of thing that leads to early exits at places like the ACC tournament or the NCAA tournament. You don't have to reach for the panic button if you're a Duke fan. You still have a shot at your first first place ACC finish in a full decade. Louisville beat Syracuse last night to get the bad taste of a two-game losing streak out of the Cardinals' mouths. Wake Forest, if you were there, you can chime in as well. They honored in style Dave Odom with a banner in the rafters. They honored Tim Duncan, Randolph Childress, and the rest of the 1995 ACC champions last night in Winston-Salem. They did lose the game to Georgia Tech, but special thanks and kudos to Dave Odom and Randolph Childress, our two, re two of our recent guests here on the David Glenn Show, as they got much-deserved moments in the sun. Wes Miller and UNC Greensboro got a nice win last night. ECU actually played really well at Memphis, but ended up falling by four. We'll talk college basketball near and afar. We'll look forward and we'll look backward, including NC State 88, number six Duke 66. The Seminoles are next up for the pack on Saturday. Man, you figure out a way to put a win together there. Then you go from uncomfortably on the wrong side of the bubble to nicely on the right side of the NCAA Selection Committee bubble with that big date just a few weeks away. 1-800-849-2761. Chime in on college hoops. Chime in on the NFL news. Chime in on the return of NBA regular season basketball. And here's a question for your consideration if you're a baseball fan. If you were a Little League baseball commissioner, like our recent guest, the award-winning author John Grisham, would you stop using the Astros nickname in your Little League organization? I kid you not, we are now, I've seen at least three states, California, New York, and Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, remember, the home of Little League baseball, basically. The Williamsport PA is the host of the Little League World Series. There are now Little League baseball directors in at least three states who are moving to remove the nickname Astros from the rotation of team names used in their organizations. One said, our kids emulate and idolize Major League Baseball players. I don't think we as an organization should be idolizing teams that decided not to play by the rules. That was a Little League Baseball director announcing that his organization would no longer use Astros as a nickname. Is that an overreaction? Is that a PC culture thing? You can chime in with your answer at 1-800-849-2761. And a question for all American sports fans. When was the last time you really cared about a heavyweight boxing match? There is one this Saturday night in Las Vegas matching Deontay Wilder of Alabama, USA, against Tyson Fury of England. They both have stellar records. This is a rematch of a draw from a little more than a year ago. And more people than usual are jacked up about boxing with that match almost upon us. The Carolina Hurricanes are back home tomorrow night against the Rangers. They are back in playoff position. I have some Canes tickets to give away for tomorrow night as they host the Rangers. These are lower-level tickets. We could either leave them at will call, or if you're close to our studio here in Raleigh, you could pick them up. Chime in on those questions of the day. Chime in on Wolfpack over Blue Devils. Great guests later, three of them. Your call's right now, 1-800-849-2761. The Wolfpack was hungry, and Mike Krzyzewski said his Blue Devils were not more on that story, that game, and those questions of the day with your calls. 1-800-849-2761. Next on the David Glenn Show.
I believe it is the NBA's turn in the line dance. And I don't think they can dance. I don't think they can dance as well as DG dances. And I'm only a three or a four. The David Glenn Show, weekdays at noon. I thought our guys stepped up completely for the challenge. Um, it's a win that we needed because obviously we just lost one on the road. So uh, excited for our guys. Um, we talked about the last couple of days, uh, what a great opportunity this would be, and uh, we stepped up to the challenge. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Kevin Keats from last night. He joins us live in about 40 minutes. Jonathan Jones on the NFL next hour. Expanded regular season and expanded playoffs on the way, probably in a new collective bargaining agreement that could be announced soon. ECU Athletic Director John Gilbert, because of an exciting announcement, ECU Marshall style, honoring a tragedy from 50 years ago with a special waiver from the NCAA. That news broke earlier today. John Gilbert, third hour. Sean and Kerry was at the Wolfpack's big win over Duke. He'll be first up by phone calls. Matt and Raleigh wants to talk college hoops as well. We do have some floating questions that also allow for your statewide participation as we wish everybody a happy and safe snow day across North Carolina. If you were a Little League baseball commissioner, would you stop using the Astros nickname? I promise I would not ask that question unless it was actually happening. In at least three American states, organizers are saying they will no longer use that nickname because the Houston Astros have disgraced the nickname. California, Pennsylvania, and New York have localities that have stopped using the nickname and will not use it moving forward for some undetermined amount of time. Part of the Little League pledge is, I will play fair and strive to win. The Houston Astros on their way to the World Series title in 2017 did not actually play fair as they strived to win. Would you? What would you do if you were the commissioner? And a different question of the day for your consideration, when was the last time you really cared about a heavyweight boxing match? There is one Saturday night in Vegas that people care about in larger than usual numbers. You may not know Deontay Wilder or Tyson Fury very well, but they're both undefeated. They're going head-to-head, and when you get heavyweights involved, more people seem to gravitate toward boxing. I grew up with the likes of Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier and George Foreman and Larry Holmes in the 70s and early 80s. Later, it was Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield in the later 80s and much of the 90s and even after the turn of the century. Since then, unless you're into, you know, the Klitschko brothers or somebody else, there just has not been as much magic around heavyweight boxing, which was once long ago one of the most popular sports in all our land. Let me hear from Sean and Kerry. I'll give you more of my two cents of Wolfpack over Blue Devils, but Sean was right there in the thick of it all. I'll give you my biggest takeaway for Duke in defeat, but also for, of course, NC State in victory beyond the most obvious. Resume builders don't get much better than beating the number six team in the nation by 22 points. It is an historically big victory. The Wolfpack's largest margin of victory over any top 10 opponent since before I was born. That's a long time. Sean, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, yeah, I just wanted to call in and say the crowd was really great last night. Um, it was great to beat a high-seeded Duke, but I felt like we played good, not great. Um, I mean, geez, Bates started the night off missing two free throws, and we had tons of stretches where we missed two short shots under the net, layups, 
whatever's back to back to back and we were just lucky enough that Trey Jones would make a bad pass or we do good stuff defensively to get the ball back. Um, but if you look back at it, it could have been a much worse night for Duke. Yeah, as, we hey, as Coach K said. A lot more of the close shot. Uh, did you rush the court, by the way, Sean? Were you involved in that craziness? Uh, no, we were trying to be traffic. Got it. <laughs> take, take the quick road out. I respect that. It's a win nevertheless. Coach K put it well, right? Coach K actually had a couple of very poignant comments after the game. One, Duke was not very good, but – the Wolfpack made Duke look not very good. So credit to the opponent in defeat. Coach K did that. And maybe more interesting, I thought, Coach K said, among other things, folks, remember that this is not an Xbox game. This is a human being game. And I think that says most of what you need to know, right? If it were Xbox... It'd be Vernon Carey getting his, which he did last night. It'd be Trey Jones getting his, which he did last night. But it would also have been more of Cassius Stanley. It would have been more of Matthew Hurt. It would have been more of the Blue Devils' other more important players. It was not. And it's partly because it's not Xbox. And guys like Cassius Stanley and Matthew Hurt are true freshmen. Four of Duke's top six players are true freshmen. On Xbox... Unless they program it in, true freshman in front of a hostile crowd where Wolfpack Nation is yelling all sorts of crazy things at you before the game, maybe they factor it into Xbox in a way that I'm unaware of. But we know it matters for human beings. And the same Cassius Stanley, who sometimes look, looks like a junior or a senior, when he's in front of the Cameron Crazies, more comfortable where he plays, where he practices regularly, right? On the road in front of a hostile crowd against a quality opponent, guys like Matthew Hurt and Cassius Stanley kind of shied away from the moment. You can't do that at the ACC tournament. You can't do that at the NCAA tournament. Trey Jones plus Vernon Carey will end in the same place that Zion Williamson plus R.J. Barrett ended last year. Didn't mean you didn't have a great year. But you didn't. You fell short of the Final Four in part because the two biggest and best guys didn't get enough help. You want to win a national title, folks, you need both the star power and the supporting cast. Not everybody has to be great, but you pick your favorite team. I don't care if you're a state fan that has lived through two national titles or a Carolina fan that's maybe lived through five of them or six of them or whatever, Duke five, obviously, under Coach K. You pick a team. I will show you both star power five years ago. Jalil Okafor was down low this year. That year's Vernon Carey. Quinn Cook was the excellent point guard. This year's Trey Jones, right? But what happened? How did they win it all? Justice Winslow, freshman on that team five years ago, went from kind of up and down and wow, he's really talented, but not all that reliable in November and December. Great game, invisible game. Great game, visible game. If it, you know, dynamic dunk, disappearing act, right? By later in the season, Justice Winslow was a big-time player, even as a freshman. And usually freshmen evolve at a different rate than the other guys. Tyus Jones was the super reliable point guard five years ago, sometimes allowing Quinn Cook to go off to the wing. Emil Jefferson was not a superstar, but five years ago, were there any games where Emil just didn't show up? No. You got... Star power plus reliability. Duke didn't have that last night, and Duke got its head handed to it. Credit to the Wolfpack. Mike Krzyzewski said it well. Sometimes when you've eaten a lot, you are not as hungry. The Wolfpack was the much hungrier team last night, 
and it showed 88 to 66. Credit to Duke for fighting back. It was, what, an 11-point game at one point midway through the second half. It's not like they just gave up. But interesting, interesting to me is the fact that the same factor that is an alarm bell for Duke is actually the bedrock for NC State. And what I mean by that is if you're moving forward as talented as they are and well-coached as they are at Duke, four of their top six are true freshmen. Now, Vernon Carey doesn't seem to be a true freshman. He has that label, but he's over it, right? He's ready. He's a star. He doesn't, he doesn't melt in the moment. There's nothing wrong with that guy, ACC Player of the Year candidate. The other true freshman can be up and down. Gotta, you got to shake that by next month if you're Duke and you want to do great things. The same factor that's an alarm for Duke for your top six being freshmen is the bedrock for State because who showed up last night? Three guys especially who have been in college basketball for four or five years. That's a lot different than the freshmen who have been here for four or five months. A lot different. Who are the best players? Devin Daniels is a fourth-year junior. He has actually, from beginning to end, I would argue he's been the Wolfpack's most consistent player this year. There are times where Markel Johnson, like last night, is the best player. There were times in November and December where C.J. Bryce, another veteran, fifth-year senior, was their best player. There are times where D.J. Funderburk looks like their best player. Last night, it was Markel Johnson with a career-high 28 points, nine rebounds, four assists, and only one turnover against a Duke team that plays pretty good defense. And he didn't shoot recklessly, right? Ten of 19 from the field. The guy who forgot how to hit three-pointers was five out of six from three-point land. You all know that crazy story. I've been around for 30-plus years. You don't see guys great free-throw shooters and three-point shooters as juniors the way Markel Johnson was last year and then lost in the wilderness as a senior the way Markel Johnson has been for long stretches this year. Last night, that was all out the window, and Markel looked like the best version of Markel Johnson. Similarly, Devin Daniels, nice time to save your career high, right? 25 career high for Daniels, 28 career high for Markel Johnson, and DJ Funderburk, 21 points, 9 rebounds, 3 steals. Again, efficiency, 8 out of 15 from the field. When your three veterans step up that way, and C.J. Bryce did some good things as well, four or more veterans, an offensively explosive team, as State was advertised in the preseason, when I and many others picked them to be an NCAA tournament team, they were exactly that offensively explosive team against the Devils last night and just blew them out of the building. 88-66. to 66. Matt is in Raleigh. Welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, DG. So, weighing in on that, uh, I have to do with Sean, the last caller. Is State played fantastic, you can say. At least they played great for State. But what does it actually mean for NC State? We've We've seen them play to their competition a billion times. And being a state fan, you get so used to yeah. that occasional big-name win, and it usually comes from a, a triangle opponent at home. But then playing FSU, what are the chances they end up getting blown out like they do every single season? I love Keith. I love what he's done coming in. Even what he did at UNCW was fantastic. And I feel that he is doing it here. But how often do we see this happen for the NC State basketball team? Yeah. Offensively, dynamic. Defensively, fantastic through three and then the fourth comes and they fall apart yeah well tell me this we may be on the same page here i have lived through probably an even longer version of the nc state ups and downs that you just described there uh if when they play pit and wake later this year at home 
Would you pick the pack to win or would you expect a letdown? Because this year's team, with those veterans feeling this way, Pitt and Wake, are, which are two of the, what is it, five remaining regular season games now? Pitt and Wake at home, the Wolfpack are going to win those games. At Duke, of course I would pick the Blue Devils to beat the Wolfpack, but that's not, like, reason for concern. At UNC, your guess is as good as mine as to what happens in the return match with the Wolfpack uh, so often coming up short against Roy Williams. And then Saturday against Florida State, you know, it wouldn't exactly be embarrassing if you lose to the number eight team in the nation. So uh, I think taking care of business against Pitt and Wake and then how you do at UNC uh, and, and whether you can shock Florida State the way you just dominated Duke, you know, I don't see that as a sort of an un in unnavigable territory for for this year's Wolfpack. I actually believe they're going to cash in with an NCAA tournament bid. When you think of those remaining games, FSU Saturday at Carolina, Pitt and Wake at home, and Duke on the road, do you think they'll be going to Greensboro feeling good, or do you think they're going to be hanging by a thread? Realistically, I think they skirt in because, you know, you already hit on it. They have to maintain and at least win, as you said, against Pitt and Wake. Yeah. Yeah. On paper, absolutely. Because, again, offensively, neither Pitt nor Wake should be able to even remotely come close. Yeah. However, with it being NC State, there's yeah. still those chances where I hear what, I bet, what I bet the house. You're not crazy. I'll tell you this. If these games were at Pitt and at Wake, I would feel as skeptical as you are feeling right now. Since they are at PNC and that place is going to be jacked up. And who knows what they do to Florida State on Saturday. By the way. For those who don't see as much of Florida State as you see of NC State, yes, the Seminoles have more overall talent than the Wolfpack, duh. So do the Blue Devils, but the Wolfpack just dominated. Florida State is really largely about getting turnovers and converting them into easy buckets. And the Wolfpack is pretty good most nights at not falling into that trap. Right, They have a lot of ball handlers on the court when C.J. Bryce is out there and Markel Johnson and Devin Daniels and Braxton Beverly, et cetera. I don't think, I don't think NC State is as vulnerable to Florida State's way of beating people as some others are. I actually, on yesterday's show, what did I say? Wolfpack has three huge whacks at the NCAA tournament pinata. And if you graded them, I would have put at Duke as least likely. I think almost all of us would agree on that. I put Florida State on Saturday as the most likely upset. I had last night's game as the in-between game, and certainly the Wolfpack over-delivered there. Florida State is going to have a hard time turning over the Wolfpack, and I think the Wolfpack has a chance to turn over Florida State. Florida State's good in a lot of different ways. They're not a great ball-handling team. So if you play energized defense the way the Wolfpack did last night, maybe you can do to Florida State what the Seminoles usually do to their opponents, and that is create turnovers and get easy buckets. In Saturday's case, it would be getting the crowd into it while creating turnovers and getting easy buckets. And if that happens, now you're talking about one heck of a two-game losing streak. I wish I were smart enough to tell you how you could lose at home to one of the worst Carolina teams in recent memory. You can lose at Boston College just recently, and yet you can destroy Duke. This, this was a historical destruction in terms of the 22-point mar margin of victory. How do those losses happen from the same team that just crushed Duke and has a legit shot? at Florida State on Saturday? I mean, good luck. I've been trying to figure these sorts of things out for three-plus decades. I don't have that ultimate answer, but Coach K was right. The Wolfpack was the hungrier team. Duke has a lot to learn from that, 
if they want to make K a six-time national champion. But the Wolfpack learned a lot as well, and those veterans led the way. That's what you're supposed to do, especially in the desperation of your senior year. This is it, man. You know, Markel Johnson and C.J. Bryce, this is it. That was your last chance to host Duke ever, right? And you got it done in a way you didn't get it done in your last chance to host Carolina ever. You still get the Tar Heels in Chapel Hill, of course. 1-800-849-2761. The psychology was fascinating last night. And I thought Kevin Keats said something really poignant in the postgame against the Tar Heels when the Wolfpack was up at home earlier this year. They kind of settled late in the shot clock for lesser opportunities. And then, of course, the Tar Heels came back and won the game. He said, tonight we kept the pace, we kept the momentum, we kept attacking, and we were rewarded for that against a quality Duke team. 88-66, to Wolfpack over Blue Devils. More of your phone calls on the other side. Lou wants in on the baseball question. If you were a Little League baseball commissioner, would you stop using the Astros nickname? I kid you not. The two jerseys that I wore most as a Little Leaguer and Babe Ruth League player in Pennsylvania were the Yankees. We didn't get to pick our team names. Did it, how did it work for you, Darren Vaught? I mean, you're just given a jersey, right? I was a member of the Yankees for two or three years, not by choice. I would grow up rooting for the Phillies, for crying out loud. But in Westchester, PA, I was with the Yankees for a period of years. Ace, lefty starter, of course. First baseman when not dominating on the low and outside corner. And then I was with the Astros at the Babe Ruth League level where they would let you keep your name because you were keeping the nucleus of the team together. I think it was like 17, 18, maybe 19 years old. I was on the Astros. Well, Little League Baseball commissioners across our country are saying they're not going to use Astros, at least for now, because of the stain that the Houston Astros have brought to the integrity of the game. If you were a commissioner, would you go that far? Do you remember the nickname of your favorite Little League team? Uh, yeah, we, we occasionally would get to choose. I, we were the Royals one year when I was choose? super young. We choose. would vote on it as a team. Really? Yeah, and it was such a small area that, that the community was built so much around the high school sports. My high school was the Indians in high school, so most of the time your youth league team you know veered toward that we were either the indians or the braves what if or some like other that. what if, what if some other little league team voted and wanted the same nickname that you guys wanted what are you getting soft on me here i we i'm telling you i played baseball for 20 years and never got to pick the nickname never i don't even remember it ever being a conversation they 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 threw you the jersey and the way i remember it was a lot of the little leagues would reuse jerseys the nicer jerseys from year to year, like you had to turn them in at the end. And the dudes the next year were wearing the Yankees jersey or the Astros jersey sure. that I was wearing, right? No, see, we had like T-shirts that were reprinted every okay. year for the new teams. You know, we the, like the regional all-star teams would, would reuse okay. nicer jerseys. So that was kind of part of the perk Maybe of making that team. Maybe I was just playing team. at a much higher caliber league than you were. Southwestern yeah, sure. Virginia. We'll go, with that. we'll go with that. Kevin Keats of NC State live in 25 minutes. Jonathan Jones on the NFL's big news of the day in about 50 minutes. ECU Athletic Director John Gilbert on an exciting headline in Greenville for Mike Houston's football team. We'll get to those guests later. We'll get to more of your calls on the other side. 1-800-849-2761. More Wolfpack over Blue Devils. More college basketball. A little baseball. I've also got a uh, sports fan question of the day. When was the last time you really cared about a heavyweight boxing match? And will you care Saturday night as undefeated Deontay Wilder takes on undefeated Tyson Fury 
in a rematch of what was a pretty good bout a little bit year, more than a year ago. Why, why is there less excitement around a guy who's from the United States? He's from Alabama. He's actually held a belt for about five years now. Deontay Wilder. He's a six foot seven, two hundred and thirty pound specimen of an athlete. Tyson Fury, by the way, is like six nine, two fifty. Isn't there something just a little bit Roman gladiator magical style when athletes that large with those kinds of records get into the ring? I mean, I know MMA and, and UFC are even are stealing some of the spotlight from boxing, but when was the last time you really cared about a heavyweight boxing match? That's been on the slide over the last couple of decades on the American sports scene, 1-800-849-2761. We're giving away some Canes tickets later. We have three great guests. It's a happy snow day for everybody, and we're coming back to your calls next. I would never be so competitive, so childish, that I would actually keep track of my record as a coach in youth soccer. I mean, that would be ridiculous. So when I think about my 78 wins, two losses, and four <laughs> ties, not that I was keeping track or anything. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. I promise to come right back to calls. We have three great guests later. NC State head coach Kevin Keats. He's a winner, and he was a winner last night. Wolfpack 88, Duke 66. The Wolfpack's largest margin of victory over a top 10 opponent, any top 10 opponent, since before I was born, so early 60s or late 50s. The Devils take a step back. The Wolfpack veterans especially, Markel Johnson, Devin Daniels, maybe both their best game in a Wolfpack uniform, certainly one of them. DJ Funderburk complimented them with some great inside play. NC State hosts Florida State on Saturday. We will look forward in college basketball as we come back to your calls as well. Kevin Keats live in 20 minutes. Jonathan Jones on the NFL in 45 minutes. John Gilbert from ECU with an exciting announcement involving the Wolfpack's football schedule this upcoming fall. A 50-year anniversary game against Marshall just took a new twist, and they're going to honor the victims and their families of that infamous tragic plane crash from five decades ago with a special nationally televised late August game to kick off the Pirates' 2020 season. More on that with John Gilbert. More of your calls now. Lou in Raleigh actually coaches a Little League baseball team whose nickname is Astros. If you're just joining us, somebody did reach out to Little League International, which is based in my home state of Pennsylvania, right there in Williamsport, where you see the Little League World Series contested. They said at the headquarters that they're going to leave all these decisions to localities. So if you're a Little League member, you don't have to stop using the, Nick, the Astros nickname because the, the Houston Astros have disgraced that nickname in the eyes of many baseball fans. Part of the Little League pledge is I will play fair. And some of these organizations, California, New York, Pennsylvania, and others have said they're no longer using the nickname Astros from the rotation of team names that they use in their organizations because of the stain of the 2017 World Series champion Houston Astros. Lou, you don't want to lose your nickname, or where do you stand on this as a lover and coach of baseball? No, I don't want to lose my nickname, but I would um, – I talked to my commissioner about it, and uh, – it's going to be the Astros this year, and uh, there's nothing I can do about it. But I am going to tell my kids that uh, what the Astros did on major level was using technology, and that's what is illegal. 
and we've got to play as hard as we can to uh, win games. And if that means the my runner on second base to a sign, he can and, uh, that it's an off-speed pitch. Yeah, he's going to do it. Are you going to tell them that it was wrong to use technology the way the Houston Astros did? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Because uh, what the what one of the Little League guys said was, our kids emulate and idolize Major League Baseball players. And then the guy who's no longer using the nickname said, I don't think we as an organization should be idolizing teams that decided not to play by the rules. So you believe you could just send that message of what not to do without ripping the name Astros off your uniform. Right. And that we've got to play hard as we can. And if that means seeing the signal and passing that signal on to uh, our teammates, that's within the rules. I appreciate it. has been played for. Yeah, go ahead. It's a, It's also a tradition of baseball. Yeah, yeah. The the old school sign stealing from second base has never been illegal and has always been a part of the game. Todd and Raleigh, you're next on the David Glenn Show. I'm just happy to hear. So, I mean, we live in a world where, man, you got mafia-style politicians getting stuff done, and you got adults saying, well, you know, the ends justifies the means. It's all good here. All good. Uh, no problem, just as long as you get it done. I'm glad you're sending to your young Astros players the message that what the Houston Astros did was outrageously wrong and unacceptable. I mean, there's a Machiavellian aspect in play right now in American society, and I'm glad it does not dribble all the way down to Little League Baseball the way it surrounds us in so many other ways. Todd, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, sorry I didn't hear you continue talking. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I sure. appreciate it. Uh, first, uh, is, is Little League going to get rid of the Red Sox as well? But uh, I started coaching my boys back in when my oldest was six, 16 years ago, baseball. And, and I never uh, – our my players never picked the team. We were always the Padres because that was my team growing up. And um, that's the team I wanted. But I, I really think uh, as long as you teach the message of what's really going on, uh, I think that uh, taking the names away is kind of silly, to be honest. Um, you know, it's – and, and to this point, the overwhelming majority of Little League organizations are not going down this road. Obviously, the ones that are choosing to do this are getting a lot of publicity right now. Um, and who knows? Maybe there will be a lot more coming now that they have seen these examples in other states. But I, I don't think it's going to rise to the point that a majority of Little Leagues stop using the Astros nickname because of the disgraceful 2017 Houston Astros, who actually cheated a little bit longer than that. But, yeah, send the message I don't know what I would have felt like. I wore the Astros uniform for three years as a teenager. I, I don't know. If, if my coach said we, we can't be the Astros anymore, I probably would have shrugged my shoulders. But if you're attached to it in any way and you can send the message about the right way to play baseball without changing your team nickname, I'm okay with that as well. Uh, some of these folks are going the extra mile and saying it's so important to them. It's so fundamental to Little League Baseball. Literally part of the pledge is I will play fair they're just trying to send a stronger message, I guess, by saying none of our teams are going to be called the Astros anymore. 1-800-849-2761. More of your phone calls on the other side. Kevin Keats, Wolfpack head basketball coach, live in less than 15 minutes. We're glad you're with us on the David Glenn Show. Christian Leitner, thanks for joining us. It's been less than a week since the I Hate Christian Leitner 30 for 30. The final product of the movie was absolutely awesome. I love every second of it. Maybe I'm not seeing the same thing everyone else is seeing, but I thought the movie was awesome and I loved it. 
Keep it here on The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. Kevin Keats posted a big victory last night. 88-66, Wolfpack over Blue Devils. Most importantly, they took a big step toward an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament. Their work is clearly not done. They could get another gem of a victory against number eight Florida State on Saturday. That is also at PNC Arena. So if you were one of the maniacs who rushed the floor last night, stormed the court, and partied Wolfpack style, they need you again on Saturday. There was also an historic element in play. It was a true annihilation. Are you ready for all of this? The largest victory over Duke for the Wolfpack since 1978. That's when they were playing in Reynolds Coliseum. That is a decade before I even started covering the ACC. That's how dominant that win was in that rivalry. Largest margin of defeat for Duke to any unranked opponent under Coach K ever. That's 40 years worth of history that was made last night. And the Wolfpack's largest margin of victory over a top 10 opponent since one source said 1959. I read it as 1964 somewhere else. I'll trust the Wolfpack's SID and say it was 1959. That's before many of us were even born. That's how out there last night's win was. Shout out to Devin Daniels, Markel Johnson, DJ Funderburg. Coach K knows that this sent an important message to his Blue Devils. There are two separate narratives the day after. We're tackling more of the Wolfpack end of the spectrum with our next guest. They're not done yet. They made it in their first year under Kevin Keats when there were many skeptics. They barely missed it in year two under Kevin Keats, the NCAA tournament. And thanks to last night's win, they are in a much stronger position. Do you know who has the best record in the ACC in quad one games right now? This is crazy. The Wolfpack. At 5-2 and two in quad one games, the Wolfpack has the best record. Even better than Duke or Louisville or Florida State or anybody else. The architect of that part of the resume and the rest is Kevin Keats. Third-year Wolfpack coach joins us next on the David Glenn Show. If my low and away curve that barely paints the black so frequently that nobody can hit it, you're going to tell me I got to throw change-ups, fastballs, and sliders all the time? Oh, it's too difficult to hit TTG's <laughs> low and away curveball. Wah, 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 wah. You're listening to The David Glenn Show.